Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, D-R-O. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. Coaches are still buzzing about episode 32, Coach Luke Gore. Don't embarrass your players. Teach them. How about Scott Drew's best year of recruiting? He never left the office. Such incredible insight by Coach Gore. However, I loved when Luke talked about what he truly learned from Coach Homer Drew. Find a way to get back up. Always find a way. Was my first step in bouncing back. As you soon will find out, Coach Drew is heading back to the sidelines. More info forthcoming. However, my new boss is elite. The assistants I work with are simply incredible. And the players, so good. The Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast will exist, but at a smaller extent this season. Stick with me. I'm going to continue to advocate coaches and for sure help young coaches. Coach Gore, thank you for helping me bounce back. And thanks for telling your story. Today, we are talking to Coach Scott Trost. Coach Trost is the current head coach at Lewis University, and Scott is the all-time winningest coach at this D2 powerhouse. Coach Trost has been to 11 NCAA tournaments as a head coach, D2 and D3 combined. Coach Trost can simply flat-out coach. Trust me, you're going to respect Coach Trost and his program after listening to this honest conversation. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening. Remember, we are everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so much more. Please keep telling your coaching friends about this podcast. The bigger audience we can create, the bigger impact we can make with younger coaches. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram, at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter, at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Enough of Coach Dro. Let's get to Coach Scott Trost and tell his story. Real quick, before Coach Scott Trost story, I need to tell you about my affiliate partner that I have been supporting since episode one. That friend, Desmond Ferguson, the owner of Moneyball Sportswear. Check out moneyballsportswear.com. Let me tell you about the gear that Moneyball produces. Men's, women's, boys and girls, sports attire, hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts, shorts, you name it, Moneyball has it. Get all your fall gear ASAP. Truly, what are you waiting for? And if you are a high school and or AAU coach and you need a new set of uniforms, reach out to Moneyball. The uniforms that Desmond and his team create are simply spectacular. Go to moneyballsportswear.com, shop away, enter the promo code DRO, D-R-O, in the coupon checkout. Grow with us. Moneyball, the only way to ball. Scott, why do you coach? Well, I think there's a lot of reasons, uh, Coach, and it's, uh, I think the love and passion for the game was instilled in me at a young age, and uh, I try to carry that over uh, to today. And I, and I think uh, bringing in young men and, and seeing them develop and grow and encouraging people to, to mature and, and working with that age group, I think, is, I guess, from a my standpoint, fulfilling, and uh, I enjoy seeing kids succeed, walk across the stage, helping them change, and and just give opportunities for uh, for young men to 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 grow and develop, and and uh, you know become uh, become a productive citizen. And I think that's uh, yeah. that's probably as 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 good a reason as I can give you. Where do you think the love and passion came for coaching or or the game of basketball? I grew up in a real small town, Drew, and I think 
sports was always a, a big part of my life. And I, I think probably came from uh, my dad, uh-huh. uh, played college football. And I think he uh, probably instilled that competitiveness and desire and passion and willingness to 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 work for for what you want and uh, it's probably his doing and you know he was he was the ultra competitor and I was able to play all sports when I was little and I think mm-hmm. that uh, that was that was a big thing for me how rewarding is it for you to see a kid graduate well it's it's I think the reason I don't know if it's the main reason right. Joe, but I think it's it's obviously the most important reason I would say that we do this and mm-hmm. we've all given young men opportunities that maybe wouldn't have had any other opportunity to go to college. And, and we have been able to attract some of those kids here at Lewis, yeah. mentor them, uh, provide them with resources and help them get a degree. And when, when they may not have had any other chance to do that, and for them to come to Lewis, walk across the stage, get a degree, go on to go out into society, be productive, yeah. uh, be successful, raise a family, mm-hmm. uh, and have those guys come back and tell you that, you know, thank you. I appreciate what you did for me. That's probably the most meaningful thing. And they may not have liked you why they were going through it, mm-hmm. Joe, or why you were on them or hold them accountable. And, yeah. But I think four or five, ten years down the road, they understand why you were on them, why you tried to hold them accountable, why you made them go to study hall, why you made them go to tour. And we and we do a good job of that here, I think. And we've been uh, successful having some of those guys come here. And that's a, a very, very good feeling seeing those guys walk across. It's hard work. It takes yeah. time. It takes dedication. But it's also, again, the main reason why I do this. I love when you said help them change. How, and I think you just hit on a few points, but how hard is it to get a young man or young woman to change? Well, they got to want to change first. And I think it takes uh, it takes a lot of work. And I'm not saying that every one of the guys that we've had mm-hmm. through here has, has made it, but you know, we do we do spend a lot of time and try and show guys the big picture and. There's more to life than basketball. That ball is going to stop bouncing at some point in time. You know, what are you going to do when that quits? And you know, Joe, as well as anybody, I think every kid that comes here, even to, to Lewis nowadays, I'd say probably, I'm looking at my board, we probably have seven or eight guys on that board that all think they're going to go make money playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And you and I probably, well, that's not the case. You have to show them that like, hey, this is going to end. What are you going to do when this ends? You know, put them in touch with, the right people. I think Lewis has a, a lot of resources available to those type of kids and try and help them and mentor them and, you know, work, work with them and, and show them in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, use basketball. And you've heard this, don't let basketball use you and, and yeah. prepare yourself for life after basketball. So let's get into Lewis. So you're currently the head coach at Lewis University. You're actually the all-time winningest coach at Lewis, six NCAs at Lewis, five NCAs, D3s at Elmhurst and Illinois Wesleyan. Year in and year out, you're competing competing for a conference championship. We always have this conversation in February and you're like, Dro, this is where we're at, you know, da, 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 da. And then right at the end, I always look up in March and you either in a conference championship or winning a conference championship. Why do you think you've had so much success in winning throughout your career? Great players. 
I mean, I, and I think we can sit here and try and come up with all these reasons yeah. why. And I think it comes down to having really good players. And I think the other thing that uh, I think great teams are player led. I think good teams are coaches led. And we've had some really, really good leaders here. We've had Kendall McCollum's, your Ryan Jackson's, and I, my yeah. Max Struces and, and guys that are currently yeah. playing overseas or in the NBA, whatever. But I would say that we've had good players. We've had good players that have been great leaders that have led the team. And I think we've you know, been able to eliminate some of the little things, I think, that, that maybe cause you to lose. And I, and I, and I clutter. I, I think we've been able to yeah. avoid clutter. I think when you're your great teams don't have much clutter or your great teams don't have much clutter. And, and I think we've been able to, to do those things. And, and I think getting kids to believe in their roles is another thing. And, you know, and I think one thing too, Joe, is that like everyone says they want to win. I think, yeah. you know, what do you want to do? Hey, I just want to win, man. I just want to win. No, they don't. They, they want to win when it fits their agenda, but getting kids to want to win and do what's best for the for the program and do what's best for the team and sacrificing themselves for the team uh if you can get guys to do that and that's not easy and it's hard then i think you got a chance and i think if we've done anything here we've maybe you know have been able to do that fairly well but uh it's not it's not easy what's an example of eliminating clutter like what would be a tangible Uh, example for young coaches do off the floor yeah how you carry yourself how you carry yourself in the dorm rooms what you do you know am i going to get a call at uh, 12 30 at night hey so and so is uh boxing or punching some guy whatever it is that's that's an example of clutter mm-hmm. uh on the floor how you communicate with your teammates are you encouraging are you are you are you positive i want to compete like crazy but at the same time we're a team and we're going to do what's best for the team. And, you know, so let's, let's not have combativeness and let's not have guys against each other. Uh, let's pull in the same direction. But, you know, so I think, you know, off the floor issues yeah. don't have them, don't want to deal with them. So I think we, you know, we just to try and avoid and have as, and every team has it. Mm-hmm. Every single team has clutter, but I think the great teams that we've had here have had very, very little clutter. And then that ties into the idea of like, well, your great teams, the great teams that we've had here have all been player led. Players take care of that. How do you facilitate those thoughts of players leading programs? I think a lot of people can be leaders and mm-hmm. but when your best players are your best leaders, yeah. then it's pretty easy. Yeah. And and we've been fortunate here, Joe, whether it be Kendall McCollum's or Max Struces or Kyle Nelson's or Julian Lewis and in the recruiting process, I'm not saying we're looking at, hey, is he a leader, is he not a leader? I mean yeah. obviously we look for character and I think character plays into that, but at the same point in time I think we want guys that exhibit some skills, some leadership skills. And if and we've been fortunate that our best players have been our best leaders. We do talk to them about, hey, you don't always have to be the best player to be a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can lead by example. You can lead by, we, we've got a couple of kids on our team coming up this year that have been with us for a couple of years. That, not our best players, but unbelievable kids mm-hmm. with great work ethic and are, are good leaders. But at the same time, when your best players are, are exhibiting those leadership skills on time, working hard, doing everything that you ask. And, you know, we, we talk about, and, and I, I, I'm not where I think I might've got this from, from coach Weitzel, but like the 10, 80, 10 principle, 10% of your team is going to be great and do everything you want them to do mm. and go above and beyond. 80% of your team is going to be good, but you know, they're going to do what you got to do and, and not do much more. And then 10% of your team is going to fight you in battle. And it's going to have some clutter. Well, we talk about 
hey, let's get that 80%. Let's get some of those 80% guys up to that top 10%. Let's get those bottom 10% guys up to your 80%, you know, and let's change those percentages. But, you know, and I think trying to identify some of those guys and, and uh, talk to them. And, and I think some of those guys emerge. And, and, and we've, like I said, been fortunate to have some of those guys on this team where I don't have to deal with some of those issues. They take care of it. And then when you got it that way, it's pretty easy. So you mentioned Jim Whitesell, obviously a mutual friend to both of us, Coach Whitesell, the current head coach at Buffalo, and we both worked for Coach Whitesell at different times in our career. How old were you and Coach Whitesell when you guys were together at Elmhurst? I must have been uh, late 20s, 27, 28, somewhere in there when I first started at Elmhurst College as an assistant, making $9,500 as the sports information director and oh, assistant basketball. And long time ago, things weren't as complicated then. Yeah, so... Yeah, but, uh, you just loved coaching and they didn't have many worries and just go out and play, recruit and coach and well, do what I, you had to do. I say that because both you guys were, you know, obviously guys are, I say this in the greatest respect, veteran coaches right now. But at the time, you guys are pretty young. Can you describe, yeah. so you, you obviously, Coach Weitzel uh, left for, for Lewis and you took over the program. Can you describe what it was like to be a head coach at that early of an age? I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I still do, but yes, you, you know, do. moving over, you know, 18 inches and trying yeah. to become a young head coach, you really, uh, I don't know if there's anything that can really prepare you for that right. at that age. I think I was, per- I was pretty naive. I think the only reason I've got to where I've got in anywhere uh, or, or been able to do anything in this business is hard work. Yeah. And that's what I just, I just relied on, hey, try and work hard, mm-hmm. whether it be in recruiting or preparation or whatever it is. But I really was naive, didn't know much, didn't probably know what I was doing at the time. You know, unfortunately, the athletic director, Chris Ragsdale at the time, gave me a chance. And I think that's what most people need in this business, Drew. Obviously, you're aware of that is, is a chance. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. Like I said, I just tried to try to do the best I could with what I knew and uh, you learn as you go. Yeah, but I think one of the best things you you had the opportunity to be a head coach and gain head coaching experience. You know, it's a, it's a big right. thing. It's a big thing right now with assistants. You have friends that have probably been career assistants for a long long time, never had a chance at any level yeah. a head coach. Like yeah. as you think about now in your games and I know every game is different and every game is sort of like a roller coaster, but I would have to imagine you getting that head coaching experience at such an early age had it been so beneficial for your career well no doubt and i think like you said how did how do you get that yeah now i mean i it's 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 really difficult and uh like i said i chris ragsdale at the time was ad believed in me and gave me an opportunity at 29 or whatever i was 30 i, I don't even remember how old i was but and, and gave me an opportunity and how you get that opportunity nowadays i don't know and i don't think there's a blueprint that says hey i'm gonna do this 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 and this and i become a head coach i think back in the day hard work you thought hey i'll I'll work hard i'll network i'll do uh-huh. all these things and and try and become a head coach you'd go to the final four with resumes you would do this uh, all these things go to these camps go to the clinic and, and I'm not sure that matters now mm. like it did back then. And I was fortunate and had a lot of people that that, uh, that helped me get to, to where I am. But how you get to be a head coach nowadays, it's it's really, really difficult. And, yeah. You know, we've talked enough to, and I, you know, you back, I don't know, a year or two, three years ago, yeah, I remember you and I talking maybe about, you know, getting a Division two head coaching job. And, and these jobs are hard to get. Super. Uh, <laughs> Super hard. And Division three jobs are hard. Good Very one. hard. I mean, and it's, it makes it 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 makes it it makes it tough. So you know how you get one uh, again. It's yeah. right place, right time. Luck. No people you know. 
Yeah, for sure. A lot of things factor into why you get jobs. Time for a quick 30-second timeout. Coach Trost, getting this podcast to you is all because of my friends at Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and so many more. You also get a great looking podcast website. They provide audio players that you can drop into other websites. They give detailed analytics to see how people are listening. To start your own podcast, follow the link in my show notes. Let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. You'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And this also helps support my show, Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. This is a great story. How did you go from Elmhurst and University of Michigan? Luck. I mean, and, and it probably won't happen today, right? Yeah. I was a head coach at Elmhurst and a couple things. I, uh, a friend of mine at the time was Brian Dutcher. Yeah. And Dutch, Dutch and I. Pretty good friend. Good friend. Pretty good Dutch coach. Dutch and I coached <laughs> against each other. He's had good players. <laughs> no, he knows I'm joking. But uh, he was at South Dakota State. I was at Mankato State. Yeah. We were in the same league. Yeah. As a as an assistant or as a GA, but I, I got to know Dutch quite a bit then, pretty well then. And then uh, he was at he was at Michigan right. uh, as an assistant as an assistant coach while I was the head coach at Michigan. And then we had uh, Michael Jordan and uh, B.J. Armstrong's camps at Elmhurst College, and I ran those camps. And I got to be really good friends with B.J. Armstrong. B.J.'s best friend was Scott Perry. Wow. Scott Perry was on the staff. At the University of Michigan. So Michigan had a, an opening. At that time, it was a restricted earnings opening. Right. And talked to Dutch and you know, went up there and, and interviewed with Coach Fisher. And, you know, I knew Scott a little bit, obviously, and I knew Dutch very well and kind of went from there and was offered the job. And, you know, obviously, you're going to take that when you get the opportunity. It's incredible when you think about you and Coach Dutch are working your way up, <laughs> grinding way in D2, you know, running camps, yeah. which we don't even do anymore. And then obviously, right. Coach, you know, Scott is so involved with the Knicks right now and their turnaround. Right. It's incredible. Uh, what did you learn from right. Coach Fisher? I mean, he was obviously well, an unbelievable coach. Yeah, I mean, and I, again, I'm, you know, so appreciative of Fish giving me an opportunity and yeah. taking a chance really on somebody that wasn't a division, had no division one experience and it's a different game really at that time. I, uh, was pretty naive still and but gave me an opportunity to come to Michigan and I think you know working with Steve and and working with Dutch and I think the most important thing that I probably learned from them at that time was how they handle players and and their relationships with people Uh. I think uh, Steve is great in how he deals with players how he gets them to play hard and just the the relationship part of of this is, is is probably the most important thing yeah and you know Guys need to know that you care yeah. about them. And if you get that to that point, then they'll play hard for you. And I think Steve obviously had a great, great rapport with his players and, and how he handled people and, and not just in the basketball arena, but how he dealt with other staff members and other people in the athletic department. And I think he was never too big uh, for anybody and, and treated everybody with respect. So, and, and Dutch is the same way. I mean, Dutch is a people person and has a great rapport with players, rapport with his staff. And, and, I, and I think that's as, as, as really 
One of the things I always loved about Coach Fisher was like, you know, his humble beginnings, high school coach, worked his way up, you know, assistant to take over Michigan. And then I always felt like with Dutch, he empowered his assistants, you know, San Diego State, the same thing. I I didn't like I watch you all the time and and I've got to know your assistants over your career. You've done an incredible job of empowering your assistants and letting them coach. You think you learned that from Fish? I don't I don't I don't know if they would say that, Joe. I mean, I think I think I've I've, as I've gotten older, Mm -hmm. I think I've even even now I, I i think i've gotten better maybe so with my current assistant like letting them make more decisions and letting them be involved more and like but i think kind of the way i was probably raised in this business as a as starting a division 3 guy you're always you kind of do everything and whether it be X's and O's, whether it be recruiting i remember as a head coach we're doing video tape to tape back in the day when you do the vhs things and we had to do all those things so i'm used to like being involved in, in every area. And I think the older I've gotten, I've tried to empower more than what I used to. I still don't think I've probably done great at it, but like there's still certain things that schemes and X's and O's that I'm probably going to do most of it. But again, I'm trying to let my assistants become more and more involved. And I know my assistants now, they do a lot of the recruiting, a lot of it. They do a lot of the individual work. They do a lot of the yeah. day-to-day stuff as far as weights and academics and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I think the goal is to have these guys move on. And I used to tell them like, Hey, the way you move on is that we got to win and you got to be really, really good in recruiting. I'm, I'm not sure that's the case now, but it can't hurt when you win. I know that. Yeah, for so, sure. But yeah, I got to do it. I mean, try and give them responsibilities, Joe, but I, I got to get better at that too. Well, you know, getting guys to care, I think that's pretty fascinating. You know, you learn that from coach Fisher, coach Dutcher. And, you know, a few times I've observed with your teams, you guys will come to play Wayne state here in, in Detroit and you'll stop at a famous place that you're familiar with called Mr. Spots in Ann Arbor. And I watch you come in with the guys and like oh. you sit with the guys and you you shoot the breeze with the guys. And what are some examples for young coaches to, to show players that you care? Well, I think you got to get to them at their level and, and, and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is something that is evolving for me daily too. I think mm-hmm. uh, there's some guys that will come into my office daily throw and talk and there's other guys where it's like because i got on them the day before yeah they take a per- they take it personal and you you have to try and get to them and like hey this is never personal i'm trying to get you to be the best you can be and like uh, i think you need to talk to them and, and talk to them about things other than basketball and whether it be music, whatever it is yeah. and go, you know, sit with them over at the cafeteria or, or whatever, it is, whatever. But I do think we, we do talk a lot about this is not for everybody here at Lewis. This isn't, you better be mentally tough. You better be physically tough. I want guys that, uh, that want to compete, but like, you know, you, you, you have to, you have to get to their level and, and this isn't, this isn't going to be easy. And I think we've, uh, you know, we, we've attracted some of those guys, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, you, you gotta, you gotta try and resonate with them and talk to them and get to their level. And I think if you, if, if they know that you care and you get the right type of kids with good character, then you, then you got a shot, like I've said before. Well, you said right at the start about, you know, why you've won, you've had great players and great players of player led program, but like recruiting at the division two level, walk us through your process. Our, our process here is probably a little bit different than what it, what it used to be. I think back in the day, we used to go out to all these events and try and identify and offer a bunch of guys early that we think are good enough. But what I found is that a lot of those guys that are good enough for Lewis and good enough 
to win with probably aren't interested in Lewis and at that time. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we had spent a lot of time, I thought, in the fall, winter, targeting these guys and identifying them. And then all of a sudden they end up going Division One. Mm-hmm. And now we got some guys early, but I would say that most of these guys, we, we waited till April or identified guys late. So I think we've changed our approach a little bit is we don't go out as much as we did in July in the past. We're trying now, the transfer portal is factored into some of this. We're going to kind of wait and see. And we have identified a couple guys that we offered early, but they're all got D1 interest. And and again, I I think there's a lot of guys that can play in this league. We try and identify guys that can win in this league. Mm. And how do we get them? We've been able to, to to get some of them, but... Yeah, you know, I, I think our recruiting has changed, and it's we try and find guys now, and, and, and again, most of our guys, I would say, we we get in in March or April after yeah. a lot of guys are looked at Division One. Evaluating winning, like how do a guy to win in this league is is that a constant challenge? That's that's so that's so unique. That's awesome. You know that you're you're probably yeah, it's, it's, you're recruiting probably from teams that are have a lot of success. I mean, and 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 I mean, we try and I think do a pretty good job of vetting guys and trying to call people and Mm -hmm. talk to enough people that know this kid and go to his games. And and I think in 15 years, we may have taken one kid that based on tape, uh, I will never do it again. I think uh, we we try and go watch guys and, and how do they respond to coaching? How do they respond to teammates? You know, what are they doing to warm up line? How are they acting when they're on the bench? All those things that most coaches will say, but I, I think, you know, try and try and identify guys where character is, is is important, but but we're going to try and go out, see these guys as much as we can, probably with their high school teams now, just because of yeah. the way we recruit and watch them work out. But identify some guys that we think have a chance to help us win, and you know the things that we think can. And again, do you recruit to your system or do you recruit to your just yeah. the ability? I think we try and take the best player here, and you know try and try and mold them and, you know, adjust what we do a little bit to, to their personnel or to what they, what the abilities are. What are some simple things you guys work on in skill development to get guys better? Well, I, I, again, most of my skill development's done with, with rock coach Rocco does it and he does a great job teaching these guys. And, but you know, what we do in skill development kind of, uh, is, is what we do. Uh, we try and adapt our skill development to, to what our schemes are. And, mm-hmm. you know, we do a lot of stuff with shooting, obviously a lot of stuff coming off ball screens, a lot of fundamental skills, passing, uh, I don't think kids can pass very well anymore. So we try and work on that. We do a lot of stuff, uh, you know, ball handling and, uh, but just getting in the gym, doing a lot of shooting and, uh, shooting from spots where we think we can get shots off our offense. And, you know, like I said, Rock does a lot of really good stuff with ball screens. We do a lot of ball screen stuff and, you know, one-on-one stuff. But I, I think, uh, you know, I think Rock deserves a lot of that credit uh, for for developing some of these guys. And, and again, to, to, to Rock's credit, probably more so than anybody, I think, you know, we've had a kid here that started at Southern Illinois, Carbondale, in the Missouri Valley. We've had a kid here that started here that's now at the University of Utah. We've got a kid that started here that's playing in the NBA now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've got four or five kids that are playing professional overseas. And, and I would like to think that based on our development, our skill development, what we've done has helped those guys develop and, and progress and, and, uh, you know, help them get to where they are. It's pretty incredible. Like back to shooting real quick. How much time do you take in your daily practice to shoot? Probably not as much as we need to. I would say 15 to 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. but 
and and our and our, our situation here is a little bit different, Joe. I think we have Division One men's volleyball. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> our women, our our women's volleyball is number one in the country at times. Has been. Yeah. Our women's basketball program is really really good. Our men's program is really good. So we got four really good programs and one gym. So we have practice times from two to four, four to six, six to eight or eight to 10 at night or six to eight in the morning. So we have those four time slots, two hours at a peak, two all, hours a piece. All fighting for one. Gym. We can't go yep. we, we, all fighting for one gym. We can't go over mm-hmm. or we sometimes we can't start before. So that limits you in what you can do. We can't go two and a half hours with a half hour of shooting or whatever. Now we can. And what we do a lot is we bring guys in the gym early, yeah. uh, say at, nine o'clock if they don't have class at nine we'll bring them in from nine to ten and get some individual work in but you know we have the shoot away and the gun and yep. stuff like that but I, you know so we'll try and get more individual work in before practice during the day and that that works with their class schedule if possible how efficient do you have to be in practice planning i don't stretch a lot we'll take five minutes and then we'll do breakdown for probably 15 minutes 20 minutes and that's what we're talking about we'll work on offensive skill development shooting you know and then i would say it depends early on in the year. We probably work more on defense probably than, than offense. That's just us. But we'll probably do 45 minutes or whatever of defense, breakdown, yeah. transition defense, whatever you have, and then probably half hour of offense and you know maybe some three-on-three, four-on-four, five-on-five type stuff. But uh, I would say our practices, now they've changed what we do, what we teach and stuff, but I would say generally what we try and accomplish is, is pretty much been standard for us here. Describe what a Lewis defensive player is. Again, I I think Tom Izzo might have said this. Players play, tough players win. Mm-hmm. Didn't he say that? For sure. I, I agree. I mean, 100%. I think we have this thing on our wall here, and it's the pillars, things we believe in, and one of them is collective toughness. Mm. You know, And it says success is supposed to be hard. Even champions get punched. And how are you going to respond? Every coach values toughness, but yeah. you know what is it and how you define it is going to vary from coach to coach. And you know, toughness to me is you know how you play the game. You play the game the right way, and the right way is hey, we're going to play hard. No one's going to play harder than us. We're gonna we're not going to melt on screens. We're going to get over screens. We're going to sprint. We're going to get up and down the floor. We're going to play the right way. And then you know how are you going to handle adversity? And I think. If you break it down simply, I guess you'd say guys that aren't going to avoid contact, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to, they're not, like I said, they're not going to melt on screens. They're going to get over screens. They're going to dive on the floor. They're going to be where they're supposed to be, take a charge. Guys that hate to lose, guys that accept coaching is a big part of toughness. We're going to coach you here. And I think that's changed. You can't coach the way you did maybe 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, five years ago even. But I think what, what we try and do is if you're comfortable, you're not getting better. So we got to try and put you in spots or put you in positions that may make you a little bit uncomfortable. And some guys will accept that. Some guys won't, you know, so for us to get guys that, that will accept that type of coaching, guys that are going to compete and, and have a will to win. And I think guys, again, I, I would almost prefer guys that are mentally tough over physically tough. But if you can have both, then yeah. that's obviously the best but and i we talk to our guys a lot about toughness it's pretty incredible when you like think about the first three minutes of this podcast and you're talking about getting guys across the stage and helping them change and you know why you coach life lessons for life you know on your wall you have something about how do you respond to tough situations it's just to me how the game the game mirrors life obviously that guy plays for you for four years he's going to hear for four years and (laughs) multiple times like how do you respond yeah yeah and i think 
It's awesome. Like I said, I, I think think one thing too is like I've, I've said this. I don't if you're if you're as a head coach worried about being liked, mm-hmm. then you're probably not. You're in the wrong business. Then. And I think there's. I would much rather be respected. Yeah. Than liked. And I think I think there's a difference. And I and and all these guys aren't going to like me all the time. Right. They they're not. That's impossible to do that. I mean, I think. We did this. We did this last year, and I don't remember who I heard it from. And it's not a, you know, it's not earth shattering. But like, you go around your team and ask them how many minutes they want to play, or they think they should play per game. Well, we had 13 guys, and we came up with 340 minutes. I play 20 minutes. I play 20. I should play 25. I should play 14. I should play 30. Well, it came up to 340 minutes. All right, guys, there's 200 minutes in a game. Yeah. Okay. 200 minutes. I'm not going to play 15, 14 guys. Yeah. So, you know, getting guys to, to buy in, and we talk a lot about buy, and we getting guys to, yeah. you know, hey, sacrifice for what's best for the team and, and, and toughness. And, you know, you talk about all these things with your team, and if you can get guys, value all those things, and then have the toughness. And I, and I do think the way you coach, I don't know if you can be a really, really good defensive coach if you're not a tough, hard-minded guy. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Yeah, and and I and I would say probably pretty tough at times, and can be tough to play for. But long story short, I think at the end of the day, guys respect me. Yeah, for not sure. worried about being liked. All the, not worried about being liked, and I, and I think that's a well. I think young coaches, young coaches probably want to always be liked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was probably one of them. <laughs> not, not not sure that's possible all the time. <laughs> well, you mentioned the word respect, and this is how we'll finish up here. Last couple questions. You, you're one of the most respected coaches in the state of Illinois. Everyone knows you. Everyone yeah, tells true. everyone tells anyone who ever says anything about you in this profession knows that you can flat out coach. But you're one of the most humble men in this profession. Like just like how you're going to answer this question. We've had so much fun over the years, whether it's going to a Blackhawks game or. or goofing around after coach Weitzel used to run elite camp or golfing together golfing. yep and yeah. my wife and you will talk for hours when you come to ann arbor and it's just so funny why have you kept such a good balance between like you know obviously you are a hard-nosed tough coach who wins you care about your players you, you you get ultimate respect but like how do you have this great balance too i don't know Drew. i really don't I, and I, I think a lot of people would tell you i don't and I do. I do think the older I've I've gotten in this business is like uh, I've tried to understand what's important and family and friends mm-hmm. are more important. And whereas before, I think I was twenty four seven basketball. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked before, and we've talked prior to this. Is like there's more important things than winning a basketball game. Right. And the older I've I've become, it's uh, those things those things become more and more important to me. And so I've tried to maybe take a step back and maybe try not to take stuff home away from the court mm-hmm. and try and leave stuff here. I'm still not great at it, but like I would say that reason I've I've tried to become or have a little more balance and I, I'm not trust me, I and I and I mean this. I think there's a lot, lot better coaches out there than I am. And I've been fortunate to have been in some situations and at some schools where they provide you with resources. And I, and I would say this is like, you could be the best coach in the world. Uh-huh. If you don't have resources and you don't have uh, support, uh-huh. it's not going to matter. Uh-huh. 
and I think there's a lot of coaches out there that say, hey, they're going to win no matter what. And yeah. They're going to can go anywhere and turn a program around. Okay, good luck. I, I, I think you need you need to have people in your corner wherever you're at, and and it's 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 not uh, it's not just you and. So I, I, I do understand, and, and I am fortunate to have been in places where there's a lot of people that have supported our program and have supported me, and it's not Scott Trost winning basketball games. And I think too too many coaches you know, take credit when they win, and I think coaches also take too much credit or blame when they lose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you try, and again, some of my players may not say this, but I try and maintain an even keel as much as I can. And But I, I don't know, Drew. I don't think I, I try and be humble understanding where I came from and you know, I'm not uh, I'm not as good a coach as a lot of coaches out there. I know that. Well, I would beg to differ, but <laughs> how? Okay, so I end this. <laughs> I always end this podcast with this question: What are some simple tips for young coaches? Be happy where you're at. I think mm. I can relay a story. I was I went to grad school at Illinois State. I was not a great player. Yep. I didn't have a big name college guy behind me. I went to Illinois State as a grad student in the physical education, athletic administration department, and I was going to teach in the PE department there. And to the director at the time and said, "Hey, I'd like to coach at Illinois State." I not young, naive, not knowing how it worked. And he goes, "Well, I'm not sure. I think you'd maybe have a better experience." at Illinois Wesleyan, which is a school a mile down the road. Mm. So I went down there and talked to the coach at the time, Denny Bridges, and school where Jack Sigma played unbelievable success, tradition, blah, 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 you know, everything you need, facilities. So I went down there, hey, I'd like to get coaching. Can you help me or can I do anything? And he goes, you know what, come on down and we'll we'll use you. And uh, I was literally for – first two or three months there, no more than a glorified manager. Mm-hmm. I rebounded and that's about it. Mm-hmm. And then from there I went to, they would probably involve me a little more in recruiting or making some phone calls to maybe guys that were fringe guys for them, whatever. Yeah. Drive the vans, did whatever I could them that I really wanted to coach. Well, anyway, he helped me get my next job, which was at Mankato State. Wow. The guy at Mankato State, I went there for zero dollars my first year as a, as a volunteer assistant and worked, did whatever I could. Well, then they created a position, a little position for me. So I stayed there for another year. Well, anyway, that's where Jim Weitzel was before I was there. Hence, the guy at Mankato State helped me get on with Jim. Wow. Jim left. I got the head coach at Elmhurst. Elmhurst, I went to Michigan. Well, then when we got let go, our staff head coach got let go at Michigan. Who do you think called the head coach at Illinois Wesleyan? And hey, would you would you be interested in this job? I didn't apply for that job, mm. but what I did maybe fifteen twenty years earlier helped me get that job. And so what I'm saying is, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's evaluating you. Mm-hmm. You never know, you know what what the future holds. So obviously everyone's going to say network, meet as many people as you can, but I still think there's a time and a place for hard work, being a, being a good person, doing things the right way. Don't always, I guess, be searching for the next job, you know, be great at where you are and make your, where you are the big time you've heard that. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I think young coaches in today's coaching world, like they always want this, 
you know, hey, they're always looking for the next best thing or always instead of worrying about doing the best where you're at. And it's not always about instant gratification. There's pay your dues, work hard, be a good person. You know, you never know who's watching or who's looking and, you know, go out there and meet as many people as you can. I guess, I guess that would be what I would, what I would, what I would say. That's an incredible answer. Thank you. It's a great story. Really good story. Way to end the podcast. You know, so when I started this project, I've, I've talked to 20 coaches right now, all different levels, men's, women's side, but I wanted to, Hey, I wanted to talk to you because I, I knew you'd be honest and truthful. And, uh, I think you, your accounts have really helped some young coaches today. And then selfishly, I just wanted to advocate you. <laughs> so I think you can really coach. I think you've done an unbelievable job at Lewis. I appreciate your friendship and I really just hope you get to Ann Arbor soon so we can enjoy all these spots that uh, uh, we we, we you know, seem to I, both hey, love. I, I'll come I'll come down Arbor anytime, and we can go downtown or go to Frazier's or go to Mister <laughs> Spots, and you know. But I there's there's I'm not, and you can tell. Like we we have a mutual friend in in Marks, and he's like you know one of the smartest guys I know. And I've I've said this. I'm the, I was an average student, not a great student, and like I think what I've tried to do is, is be a good person and, yeah. you know, your friendship. And, and I think what you've, what you've done, Joe is like, and I don't think in this business, many people, and there's very few that can go through this and say, they can't find a negative word to say about Kevin Mondro. You know, I think you're, you, 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 that's the that reflects the type of person you are. And, and I think that's obviously a credit to you. And you're one of the really, really good guys in this business. And, you know, uh, I do appreciate our friendship as well. And I look forward to getting over to Ann Arbor and maybe taking a few golfing lessons from JJ once in a while. Yeah. Well, we'll go out and play. I don't, I don't, I don't know who's teaching. I don't know who's teaching him that. Well, it's not me. <laughs> Well, that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to, I've seen you golf, and his swing's better than yours. I know that. By far. By far. Well, thanks so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's like, I mean, I'm the full-time caddy. I'm the mental coach. I'm the yeah, mental coach. Yeah, I am, well, But I'm that dad. I'm that dad that wants to be liked all the time. So I got to. Yeah. But no, I really appreciate your time and, and uh, wishing you guys nothing but the best. I'll have a little time this season, so I'm going to get to see Lewis a little bit more in person. But thanks, coach, and you have a great well, we're summer. We're coming over there to play Greer and uh, come oh. on over what a, what, a, what a Hall of Fame matchup there. Two great coaches, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right, Coach. I appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye. All right, Joe. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. That was a great conversation with Coach Scott Trost. Here are my notes from Coach Trost. Great teams are player-led. Great teams don't have much clutter. The 10-8-10 principle. Players need to know that you care about them. Identify players that can win in this league. Collective toughness. Success is supposed to be hard. If you are comfortable, you are not going to get better. Much rather be respected than liked. Be happy where you are at. How about the Illinois State grad school story? How incredible was that? Thanks, Coach Trost, for sharing that story. You never truly know who is watching you. What an honest and incredible 37-minute conversation. Thank you, Coach Trost, for sharing your story. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening. And we are everywhere. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram, at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter, at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Stay safe, be you, and keep coaching. And see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast.